Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Digitized live from the ACT Computer Studios in Cape Coral, Florida, it's the What's in Your Head podcast with your hosts Gordon and Don Abernathy. What is going on, OG5? We are here for another weekend, and I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to get the audio fixed on the live stream. Joining us always from Las Vegas is Gordon. Gordon, how's it going out in Las Vegas? Well, if you have seen the news, you pretty much know how it's going. Yeah. More importantly, we got a guest. We're going to get him out, get started, get going before we, well, we run out of time on Zoom because we're cheap fucks around here. Joining us from New Jersey is a comedian and podcast host, Kevin Goatee. Kevin, how are you doing, friend? Guten Abend, everybody. How ah, are guten you? Abend. Great. How about yourselves? Das ist sehr gut, ja? Oh, wow. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Nein. Und Scheiße. Me neither. <laughs> Just enough to get in trouble. You know, it's funny. Oh, yeah. Down here in Cape Coral, Florida, we're like the German hotspot. This is where all the Germans go to take their vacations. And so I do have a few German clients. And despite my uh, getting kicked out of German class in uh, high school, I still don't know enough German to speak to anybody. But I do have enough of Windows memorized because I'm an IT guy that despite the fact their computers are all in German, I can still maneuver my way through it. But more importantly... Um, what's going on, friend? Let's get into a little bit of you. I know you uh, got a new podcast, but before we get into that, um, we have a appreciation for comedians around here, mainly because I want to be one, but I don't have the balls to get up on stage. It's not really a stage fright thing because, well, you know, I worked in radio for five and a half years. I've been on stage in front of 16,000 people at concerts and all that. It's just the more of working out the material. And I find that when you're in front of a smaller crowd, you can actually hear people say you suck, opposed to when you're in front of 16,000 people. It's just all landscape, so it doesn't matter. So um, you've been in comedy for 10 years, correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. Is uh, Now, I know New York is pretty much closed down. Has Jersey got any clubs open? Do you have any dates coming nope. up soon? How no. long has it been? Uh, yeah, I had one in July, July 31st down in LBI, Long Beach Island, so... Hopefully that happens. We're supposed to start opening things up. I think people have gone stir crazy, especially when you see things in the news like, hey, when you guys have a, a gathering, it should only be 12 people, but hey, you know, there could be 100 people at a protest, but only 12 people at a small gathering. I think people are going, okay, enough hypocrisy of this oh, nonsense. We're uh, we're going to go do what we got to do. And things I think are going to start opening very, very soon. Yeah, if you want to go sit shoulder, shit shoulder, sit shoulder to shoulder with somebody, uh, you know, claiming you're angry and which is fine and great but you can't go to a barber shop or to the gym that's you know it's just you and the barber and the next chair is 18 feet away it's it is a little crazy and now you're starting to see these businesses going after these governors and mayors suing them for you know unconstitutionally forcing them to close down their, their business it's insane yeah that's happening it's just the economy's getting hit and i think uh when the cdc came out and said that was it six tens of people die from covid you're like yeah you know what i think i'll play the odds i'm not minimizing covid and what it's done to some people and people have died and i'm definitely not minimizing that at all i just i think it's okay you know what it's i think it's time that we enough has passed and i think it's going to be you know time that we just got to learn how to live right with now. it right what's it's that learning how to live with it and, and exactly forward well, uh, i actually vegas opened up two two days ago the hotel. i'm very well aware of that in fact you'll see me in your lovely city as i come there every year uh, I'll be there this time in August. Usually I usually come out with my buddies for week one of the NFL, but this year we bumped up a little bit earlier. So I'll be there in the actually second week of August, excuse me, weekend of August. I love your city, big fan, and uh, I'll see you then. Yeah, it, w- it was cool. One thing that was a little different is they definitely take your temperature on the way in. 
So uh, they've got these big scanners. Everybody just walks through this real quick, moving on. As for the social distancing aspect, well, you know, it's it's about as what you would expect. I mean, you know, would people would they want people to do more? Yes, but at the end of the day, we get we gotta live live with it. And uh, we went out and lost a few money, you know, a little bit of money within a half hour, and said, okay, we're done gambling. That was our year. You know, it's crazy. As, Today's the first time I've been to any chain or anywhere really here in Florida that require you to wear a mask and then provided one with you. Now it's like guitar center of all places, a place where rock, you know, rock guys and punk guys and guitar band people, they go to get their equipment. They actually stopped us at the door. They didn't care. I had my dog with me. They're fine with that. But no, they hooked us up with a medical mask before we could uh, peruse their inventory and get some cables to work on our sound issues we're having over here. But more importantly, Kevin, I listened to your podcast and first and foremost, uh, we are about the same age. I think you graduated a year before me. And listening to you, your co-host, and your guest is like listening to my, and hanging out with my guy friends in 1997. The uh, lack of um, concern about feelings, uh, the slang words, the movie references, the pop culture. I'm like, I'm driving in my car feeling like we're all just hanging out in my fucking dad's house after, after school. It's like, it's so great to actually hear conversation between real dudes of people my age. It's, you, you realize how watered down shit has gotten when you you actually hear people who aren't concerned about offending people when they talk yeah we, we listen we don't go out and try to but we, we don't really put a governor on anybody and what they say or what they do and we're just you know we're comics we don't it's not much censoring going on here it's it's a shame that this is what the world is coming to hopefully it kind of boomerangs and flattens out but yeah that's something that we like to do with the podcast we like to really sit back and and invite people on to pick films that are really those sacred cows, hence the title, Cutting the Sacred Cow. I was going to say, I'm such a bad host. I mentioned you had a podcast twice, but I haven't mentioned the name yet. Yes, it is yeah. the Gutting the Sacred uh, Cow podcast. Yes, sir. And let me, I'm sure you get this question. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. Sure. How How did the concept come? I love the whole, because there's so many podcasts out there. They all have the same kind of theme. And, you know, some sound like morning shows, some afternoon, a lot of, you know, true crime stuff. Your whole theme, the layout of your show, it's almost like a unofficial game show, if you will. Just the, the whole process, and I guess we should probably explain to people what your um, term sacred cow means and how and what the whole you know the aspect of your podcast is. Sure. So let's break down your first question. How did I come up with that? So I've created a few shows. One is on Amazon Video right now called Comics Watching Comics. I've got eight seasons on that. Think of Mystery Science Theater 3000 meets um, Last Comic Standing. Sure. So what I like to do is I like to take established themes, but have one hell of a twist on them. So it's nothing too far off the beaten path, but again, very unique in that path that it is on. Another show I do is called Fantasy Football Jibber Jabber. We take fantasy football and uh, advice and NFL handicapping advice. I bet the hell out of the NFL and combine it, but with humor, because I'm sure you, you know, you, I see a penguin's hat, I see a penguin's mouse pad. So you're a sports guy. That's for sure. Yeah. There's nothing. ESPN's good, all good and well, but those hosts are the most viciously unfunny people there are on the planet. Right. Well, to be yes, fair to them, they got ESPN's corporate office breathing down their back. And so, cause I, you know, I worked in radio for five and a half years and across the hall was an ESPN affiliate. And so, right. yeah, they, they're very limited on the kind of um, level of joking they can do. I think what the most risque show that was on cable for the time was the best damn sports show ever. And they're risky right. because they had a cuss word in the title of their show for the first time. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's it. Like, forget even the riskiness. Those shows are never funny. Yeah. Forget, forget the name. They're never funny. It's all information, which is fine. But 
I like to get my information with a side of jokes. And that's what my buddy Gerard Heron and I do. We co-host it. We give you NFL betting advice and fantasy football. You never see the two married. So that brings us to gutting the sacred cow. And you hit the nail right on the head. Every, every movie podcast, virtually every movie podcast, are two to four dudes sitting around a mic, cracking open some craft beers and saying, yeah, man, Empire's better. Can we curse on this or no? No, abs fucking Lily. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, no, fuck you. Star Wars is better. No, Empire is better. You jerk off. And that's what they are. Everyone, everyone loves talking about films. People like myself and maybe you guys too, we get a little bit more passionate than most. And we love to talk about films in deeper and really kind of duke it out. But that's been done to death. Mm-hmm. So what I decided to do was say, hey, you know what? Let's have the balls to go after these films. And there's nothing that makes me happier than pulling the pants of someone uh, down metaphorically and proving their film that they love is just shit. Like, I get mad when people defend dumb shit. Don't get me wrong. There, if you say, let's use an example, Big Trouble in Little China. I love that film. I know it's not a great film, but you can argue why it's not a good film. But if you say it's one of my favorites, I'm not going to shit on you because that's your favorite. And I get that. Well, and you, you also understand argue? that without big trouble, little China, we don't have mortal Kombat. I mean, they straight up took the character away from that oh, movie. They stole, they stole Raiden right from that yep. one. And they stole street fighter came from blood sport. Absolutely. That? Right. So, but I hate when people say, Oh, this is a great film because the masses say still like Titanic. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Titanic stunk. 2001 is space. Odyssey. that is awful. I dare you to sit through that. By the way, the first three minutes of 2001 fucking blank screen. The only people who like 2001 are the nerds who want to be taken seriously in a film discussion yep. people, or you were high as fuck on tripping acid or some <laughs> shit like that. No one in their right mind, just sitting there still sober likes 2001 in space odyssey that film stinks it's not good so i created a form where it's like hey everyone's got films that they disagree these sacred cows and for you to get on the on the podcast you know it's usually comedians or podcasters and it, the, the film you choose it can't be like friday the 13th part six it's any asshole no it's got to be that something that people hold as a delicate little flower they they hold it up in the movie guys like hey this thing is such a superior not a movie, mind you. This is a fucking film, and those are the well, those are the yeah, ones you guys go after. Not not only that, not only that. It's it, it has to meet one of these three criteria. It has to. And I'm the judge of that, so I'll tell you if your film's good or not. The first one, it has to be a financial success, or it has to be widely beloved, or it has to be critically acclaimed. Got to be one of those three. And I and I just go out there and tell people, you know, one guy who's like, let me do Batman Super versus Superman. That made a shitload of money. Go, no, that movie sucks. No one likes it. That's too easy. Yeah. I want you to pick a. I want people to pick a film where the audience is going to look at their phone and they see a new episode's come. They go, this asshole is going to shit on the Goonies. I fucking <laughs> love the Goonies. Eat my dick. And then they hate listen. And then. I, especially I choose the Goonies as an example because I got way more emails saying, you know what? When you, when your, when your guest came on, David, the producer did a great job, does a fantastic show called unwritable rant. Give it a listen. Him and his wife are fantastic. He chose the Goonies. And I remember, so it sounds like we're close to the same age. Yeah. He didn't go after I Chester was, Copperpot, did he? He left Chester alone, right? Yeah, no, he went, he, he got after <laughs> Chester Copperpot and those little ragtag bag of shit zippers. <laughs> and, and he made a great point. Cause when I saw the Goonies as a kid, I'm like, I like it. It's mm-hmm. good. As an adult, I watch it. I'm like, all right, I own it. But watch it again. Now it does not hold up. It is not good. There are tons of flaws. And I had more people emailing me saying, you know what? When I saw that you guys chose that, I said, Oh, fuck these assholes. But when they, when I listened to your episode, you made all the sense in the world and it changed my mind. 
And that's all we're looking to do. Sometimes change your mind, but at least I want you to think deep. Now, do a lot of people gut the sacred cow? Less than 50% do. Sometimes it's an absolute runaway. Oh, we hate this movie. Go right ahead. This is a slam dunk. Or people choose films like my buddy Bill Schultz, whose new episode actually drops on Monday. He came back. His first film he chose, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which I fucking love, you know, Mm -hmm. but- he managed to expose some flaws in that film. Did he change our minds? No, he did not change us and say that we got that film. We thought that film sucks, but he we conceded he made great points. He's on next week to take down Independence Day, which I think sucks, but my co-host loves. So we'll see how that goes. Not to uh, spoil your uh, not to spoil your premiere on Monday, but uh, that episode's already out. I was listening to it today. It's a great episode. You son of a bitch! I, I know it's out, <laughs> but, uh, but that's when all the mass promotion hits. So I, that's fine. I don't care. That's all right. This yeah, so this go, podcast go ahead, will go everybody. live Monday, anyhow. So if you're downloading this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and all these good places, um, go ahead and go ahead and subscribe to uh, Gutting the Sacred Cow the same day. Because yeah, we record this on Saturday live, and then I post it up. And most people start downloading on Monday. So yeah, today when you're downloading this, go check out that episode. It is a great episode yeah it's a fun one i really think and if you think that one's a fun one check out last week's episode dave landau does philadelphia yeah that's the first I one i listened that, to that one made when i first i saw that i go landau's gonna make a few buttholes clench up and yep. he did and he did a masterful job so if you're a film fan if you like people if you like film debate spirited film debate with people who know what the fuck they're talking about who make things funny that's us. We're not four dudes sitting around jerking each other off while drinking craft beers or whatever. We go after it hard. We do our homework. And that is the damn truth. Well, and the nice thing is, too, it's not just it's not it's more organized than what we have going on here. Basically, you have almost <laughs> like court session. You have the defendant and then the uh, guy who's stating his case. And so you have the first sure. person come on to to tear it apart. And then you'll have your guy come on who likes it or has somewhat of more of appreciation kind of dispute the facts and go back and forth. And it's, it's a great format. And I don't know if this would meet your criteria, but the one that popped up in my mind, cause I just saw it for the first time recently because the way everything's going on with politics, Oh, more and more every day, politics is getting to be like idiocracy and every day. Is get, and everybody holds this thing up as like this comedy gold mine. And I watched it last week and I'm like, not so much wasn't that impressed with it i mean yeah it looking at what's going on now with how dumb our politicians are that similarity but as a comedy piece separated from comparing it to what the hell we're going through now wasn't that impressed with it what film you didn't tell me the title I, I, idiocracy oh idiocracy i didn't hear you yes. say that i'm sorry no yeah no that would that, i don't think that would qualify because a it was not a box office success i mean yeah it's just a cult of- film yeah, and I I heard of it. I don't remember. I haven't seen it. You're not missing out. I, I don't know. I mean, I've heard people talk about it. It's not like exactly. It's not a cult film. Like I, when I hear a cult film, I think Big Trouble in Little China or Big Lebowski or Clerks, something mm-hmm. like that, or something a little off the beaten path, but not too far off. I don't think that would qualify. No. I well, wonder. I have. Go ahead. Sure. And you may have done this as Braveheart. Not I done yet. People not even stay awake during it. it it's i've wanted to like it but it to me it moves so slow or it's the times i've tried to watch it halfway through i'm out done that would definitely qualify i mean that one best picture that made a shitload of money and it's pretty well beloved that hits all three of those that would be in fact john fugelsang who did gone with the wind he was debating between braveheart and gone with the wind but, but decided to do gone with the wind and maybe sit through that three and a half hour snooze alert <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, one of my other podcasts I host, because I'm a living historian and a World War II reenactor, um, I host a podcast called the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast, and we talk about World War II stuff. And I think the movie that might qualify, which 
people who aren't into living history and history itself, but like military movies, they love The Longest Day, which we refer to as The Longest Movie. But as somebody who studies the history and the uniforms and all that, that movie is atrocious. Key fact, if you watched that movie and knew nothing about World War II, you just assumed everybody on the Allied Army side carried Thompson submachine guns because the only person in that entire movie who carried an M1 Garand was John Wayne because he used it as a crutch. Everything from the uniforms to the guns, that movie was just horrible. And I saw it for the first time like two years ago. Not only is it super long, but it's just historically interact- inaccurate. It's horrible. Never even heard of it. You know? Yeah, I, that, I said that. What was the title again? The called? Longest Sorry. Day. Yeah, I, you know, I take that. I did hear of it. I've yep. never seen it. I haven't seen that. You're so, not missing uh, I mean, out either. I'd have to do research and see what the numbers were, but won anything and how well it did in the box office. But. My initial gut reaction, I would say no, but again, I, I'd want to do a little research and see if it may qualify. Again, we, we want people to look at their phone and go, man, fuck mm-hmm. that, something like that. I don't think many people accept yourself because obviously sure. that hits close home to you. That would get their dick hard. Saving Private Ryan, yeah, no, that exa- would get people pissed yeah, off. Yeah, that would get Look people soon, pissed off. That would anger people. Hamburger Hill. Sure. If someone were to go after those two, but I don't know about that one. I, yeah. I don't think it would be a, a hellraiser. And there's, you know, your choice Quentin Tarantino movies you could go after, too. Well, if you would go after a Tarantino film, you'd probably lose because I'm quite a Tarantino fan. <laughs> and I am, too. I just, my, just finding something, you know, my uh, my coat, my uh, my producer for comics, watching comics, a very good friend and comic Lynette Palladino decided to try and go against me with Pulp Fiction. And she uh, she brought a, a, a knife to a, a, a nuclear warhead. Wow. How could you even start on that one? Yeah, you can't. She said, here is her argument. First of all, it dragged, which it did not. And the most, and I thought this was silly, and I love you, Net, if you're listening, but she said the characters are nothing special. I'm like, the characters are fucking memorable. The character. And the film is insanely quotable, and the repartee between them is got to be top 10. That's that, That's just, that's insanity. And then Winston Wolf with Keitel and, and Ving Rames and Bruce Willis. I, that film, that's my second favorite film caddyshack being one personally caddyshack one pulp fiction two and not by much but i think that film is just an absolute perfect recipe from start to finish it ties together with a big bow tie and it's fun and memorable and hilarious and quotable and, and this is and i'm quoting this goddamn i need to find a patent office to make sure it's going through it does it passes the remote test what's the remote test the remote test is if you're watching it on cable and it has happens to be on. You drop your remote and go. I know what I'm doing for the remainder of this film. And and to say that one didn't have good characters, Pulp Fiction without the whole movie is the characters, with the exception of the last 15 minutes where they're cleaning up the car and disposing of it. The whole movie is nothing but character development and character background because they're really not doing anything but talking. The law. The, the last scene is where they're in the diner and they're getting robbed by Honey Bunny and Tim Roth. Yes, and they, that's when they start off, and that's when they circle back to. So. I love when they clean out the car with Tarantino and his horrible acting. That that was some great dialogue that entire time. Are you kidding me? This is some serious gourmet shit. Yep. Whole, oh, it's brilliant. Top to bottom. Love it. I mean, Tarantino film, maybe you want to argue hateful. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Didn't. I enjoyed it too. Uh, last, uh, sorry, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I dug it. Once people didn't realize it wasn't about the Manson family, it's good. It's about DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt, I walked out of that theater and I fucking put money on it. I said, he's winning supporting actor. The minute they made those odds available, I jumped right on that. I said, there's no way he's losing this. There's no way anyone. That was a, I thought that was an easy, easy pick. Clearly you have a podcast about movies and you know, I mean, 
when someone brings up a movie, you, you'll, you know, even if it's not the one that's the subject of your that particular episode, but if someone brings up a movie in the conversation, you know, the director, what year it came out and all that, clearly movie is a great passion of yours. When did that sure. develop? What movie really kicked it off? Where did the bug bite you? How old were you? Do you remember? Great question. Easy answer. I moved to Jersey. My parents moved to Jersey with me. I was almost four. Okay. Actually, I was four by the, at this time. And this is 1980. So... My dad said, come on, get in the car. And I, I remember this like it was yesterday. We're getting in the car and we're driving in Princeton, where I'm from. And to the, we're, we're, we're going to, to what I thought was my doctor's office because we went to the doctor a few times. And I said, oh, we're going to the doctor's today? My dad's like, no, not today. And he took me to go see Empire had just been released. But they brought Star Wars back when Empire was released initially. And I sat in Star Wars and I, the two scenes I remember, the, the biggest scene I remember and being captivated is when they're in the trash compactor room and that eyeball pops out from under there. And I was hooked. And I, I we saw like every Disney film and I love seeing Disney films as a kid. All the, you know, every time they re-release Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Sleeping Beauty and Pinocchio and Dumbo, we saw all those in the theater. But Star Wars was the first film I remember seeing. My parents said the first film they took me to was a driving theater to go see Meatballs. That film stunk, but I was two when I saw it. I don't count it, but that's, I, I hate it now. But yeah, Star Wars, seeing that 1980 when they, re, when they released Empire was the first thing I remember and I was hooked. And, and, and I even had the stupidest ability to recall movies from like, I don't know, early 80s to late 90s, where they opened in what theater in my hometown. I could tell you like, oh, Nicky Gunn, Mercer Mall, saw it there. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Mercer Mall. Oh, Pulp Fiction opened at Market Fair and then went over to Quaker Bridge Mall when they brought it back for Academy Awards. I have n- that is the most useless fucking information I have stored. It will never serve me financially <laughs> in life, but I cannot understand why I retain that knowledge. You know, it's funny you're talking about the uh, trash compactor scene in Star Wars. I remember as a kid, I would stay at my cousin's house during the summertime and he had somewhat of a walk-in closet, but yes. we're all like nine, which means it was full of shit. And we reenacted that scene so well, many times. Every and, toy known to man. Too, yes, I mean. in his closet, we'd just be under the toys and all that, and reenacting the whole thing with the door closed. Because his That's his awesome. his fucking closet was a trash heap. Sadly, we blew all our Star Wars toys up with fireworks, as most of us did when we got to our teenage years. I know. Looks like they're on, the, like they're on one of the Death Stars. Then. Yeah, exactly. One of your episodes, I think your um, guest was talking about one of the first movies he saw multiple times in a movie theater. And it made me flash back. Uh, the first movie I think I saw multiple times in the movie theater when I was in high school would had to be Natural Born Killers. I think I saw it three times at the local Star Cinema in Grove City, Ohio. Really? Mm-hmm. I was not crazy about that. I thought that was very overhyped. I think, interesting is I watch a movie once and I'm and I think I love movies, but then I'm just kind of done with it. It's, really? It's so weird. Yeah. It, it's like, eh, okay, I've seen this. Let's move on. And. Who knows? Maybe it's just uh, I get bored easy. You're not of the school of thought that the more times you see stuff, the more you pick up on. Um, not I don't want to say Easter eggs because that term's fucked out. But on a well-written <laughs> script, right. there are so many things going on. That sometimes it takes a second or third viewing to pick up on all the little nuances. I am, uh, and I understand that, and and I've I've picked up on it before. But just typically, for some reason, I'm just like, it feels like a job the second time around. Hmm. You know. It's weird that way, but you know, it's just, I love watching stuff. If I love it, I'll see it multiple times. I can't tell you how many times I've seen Caddyshack. I saw Pulp Fiction in the theater. Jesus Christ. I think three times, maybe even four. That's how amazing it was. The matrix I saw twice. I mean, a lot of these things I've seen, you know, I, I like it that not, any, not as much anymore, 
I'll see it twice. I think the last thing I'll say, actually, I know, I do know the last two films I've seen twice in the theater. The both Avengers films in the last two years, I saw twice in the theater because they're that that they're that goddamn good. One and two, it's just you get you can't you cannot discount seeing those kind of films on a on a big screen. So those are the last things I've seen twice in a theater were Avengers films. Does uh, the Matrix hold up? I haven't seen it in a while, and I know one hundred percent without a doubt. That's the, that's my top five of all time. Even with the CGI being dated. I don't give a shit. In fact, I don't. I don't think it looks dated. As a matter of fact, really? I really don't think it's that dated. Interesting. I'll have to go back and check it out. Now I'm playing music in the background because, like, in the you keep making references to Caddyshack in like 1999. I sat there on my computer. Um, actually, it was during 9/11 when I got laid off from the ambulance plant, and I sat there. Oh, here it is. I pulled clips off HBO of Caddyshack and put it into a song that I made. I was sitting there trying to find it for you. Now, obviously, you're on every major um, podcast platform, right? You're on uh, the new Google Podcast, which is the same as Google Play, which, by the way, Google, if you're listening, you got to get that shit fixed. You can't rewind it. You can't fast forward it. And every time you restart it, it starts from the beginning of any episode you're listening to. But uh, what's your main carrier? Where do you want everybody to go? I want you to go to guttingthesacredcow.com, goddammit, because we have links to every one of the podcast platforms we are on. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Spreaker, we're on Stitcher, we're on iHeartRadio, we're also on YouTube now, so you you can watch us, Mm -hmm. and uh, you can watch our smiling faces, I'm actually uploading the next episode to YouTube as we speak, so you can watch us, so if you're at home right now, which a lot of people are, because of what's going on, and in fact, podcast listenership has gone down because of that, people are watching stuff at home, and that's what they put on in the background while they're working. So now we're on YouTube as well. So we're on every single platform you can think of. And while you're on Gutting the Sacred Cow, we either want you to go check out two other places. We've got a blog where we post our quote, our hashtag list of 10. Different theme every day. 10 best soundtracks of all movie soundtracks. 10 best comic book villains and movies. 10 best superhero heroes and come from comic books and movies. Stuff like that. Also, we have a merch store open now. You can get shirts, hats, mugs. No COVID-19 masks, though. None of those N95 things. Sorry. <laughs> well, you can go over there, buy a shirt, you know, with our smiling faces on it and check it out as well. So I want you to go to guttingthesacredcow.com. That's where you're going to find everything to see uh, where we are, including social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Give us a give us a, a follow if you appreciate that. Well, before we how, let um, go ahead, Gordon. How amped up are you to get back on stage? And has this time off actually given you a chance to make new material? And I'm sure you're trying to avoid COVID-19 crap for when you're back? Great questions. Am I amped up? Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. It's, uh, this podcast has really been kind of, it's it's caught fire over the last week or two, mainly because I think because I was on, on Anthony Cumia's show last Tuesday, and that's been really spiking, and this has really been taking a lot of my time, which is good. Yeah. I'm also trying to pitch other shows, so comedy's taking a little bit of a backseat for me because I think people in comedy, it's like you're trying to make make it, right? Everyone's version of it is very different. Some people say as long as I pay, can pay my bills, I'm making it, which is great. Some people say when I make a, you know, I'm a mega millionaire, that's great. I don't know. I'm trying to get to the middle and then I'll figure it out from yeah, there. Yeah, right. So I think from, I know for me, stand-up is not where I'm going to make it. I'm I'm pretty, I'm good. I'm pretty good. I, I've, I'm, I'm, I've got, you know, got done well, but to be out there as a stand-up comedian full-time is it's insane. I still have a day job. So that's where I'm making a great amount of money. So I can't be out five, six, seven nights a week. Like I used to, 
now that I have a wife and kid, especially the mm-hmm. kid more, more importantly. So I'm really focusing my energy. I can get way more shit done for these shows, for the podcast when I'm at home and I get to hang out with my four-year-old, which I think is, is great. I still do gigs, just not near as much material wise. I don't have much new material out of this because I don't want to be that guy as well as every other asshole is going to go out there and talk about quarantine for fucking 15 minutes on stage. And by the time that you got into the second or third comic as an audience member, you're like, Oh, enough already. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's not, there's nothing that's striking me. I, I have a few things jotted down. So am I looking forward to it? Yeah, somewhat. Am I like chomping? Am I champing? Actually, that's the way to say it. It's not chomping. It's champing at the bit to get out there. Yeah, kind of, sort of, but not like some of these other guys. This is where our girls were. This is their full-time gig and they're dying because they haven't made any money because that's their sole source of income. So kind of, sort of answer a question and no, not really no new material yet. Nothing, nothing really I want to, I want to get out there and promote or put on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. You know, I, I think a lot of people who never done a podcast or spent any time talking to a microphone for any extended period of time, to me, regardless of what the content is about, whether it's me doing this general entertainment podcast, my World War II podcast, what have you, I find it very therapeutic. There's just something about, you know, verbal vomiting into a microphone, regardless of what the subject matter is for 30 to 40 minutes, sometimes an hour and a half. It just, it's so therapeutic that, I don't know. I like, I'm waiting all week just to do the next episode just so I can get all this energy out. I agree. I agree. Uh, and especially with us, with the movie podcast, there's so many movies out there. We're not going to have anywhere near, it's going to take forever mm-hmm. to really do to cover just the, the basic ones, you know? And if, if someone big enough wants to come by, I don't know, let's throw a name out there. She's, let's say Chris Rock wants to come to my podcast and say, you know what? You guys did Pulp Fiction or Star Wars. I'm going to do that shit. Absolutely, Mr. Rock, right this way. So, you know, but yeah, we, we have so many movies to, to, to do. We're booked. The podcast is booked until September with guests. So Fantastic. It's, yeah, it's not a hard time to try and find people material to come on and, uh, and do. That's for sure. Now, would you guys consider doing maybe more current uh, streaming services show from Netflix, say like an Ozark? Or- no, we don't, we don't do TV shows. Just movies. movies at all. Okay. Yep. That is yep. that's fair. I just uh, just was wondering. Well, the other thing because is too- that means, because then I'd have to dedicate way more than two yeah, hours you know, or even three. I'd have to sit through and blow through four, five, six, seven seasons mm-hmm. of a show to have a fair you know, grasp of the material. Nope, not happening. Don't yeah. have the time for that. Yeah, I think that's something we left out when describing your show. Uh, one of the things they do, Gordon, Gordon, is um, the person who's coming on who's going to talk about the movie, they all sit down and watch the movie so it's fresh in their mind. And so to sit there and watch 12 episodes of Band of Brothers or, you know, whatever, it, it would take a week just to do one-hour show. Okay. His name is Kevin Goatee. He's from the Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast. Thank you right. so much for joining us, friend, and um, it's good talking to you. It's been great talking to you, fellas. Thanks so much again. Check it out. We really appreciate. Uh, I really appreciate you having Kevin and Israel. Both I appreciate you letting us come on and, uh, and 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 spread the good word. And we know everybody listens to podcasts primarily in their car, sometime in the bathroom. And so, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a bad short-term memory like I do, head over to d-410.com and or what's in your head.com. And as always, whenever we post an episode of a podcast, we have all the pertinent links to all the pertinent places for the guest. So if you can't remember these links that he was saying, go to our website and go to the page for this episode and you'll find all Kevin's links and URLs and it'll send you directly to him. And uh, thank you so much, Kevin. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. 
Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for the time. Good talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye. And once again, because we are broke as a joke, we have like seven minutes left. So what we're going to do is, um, Gordon, before we go to our first break, actually, before we go to our first break, let me just get these out of the way. This episode okay. of the What's in Your Head podcast, notice the new logo over there. Pretty cool, huh? Those stickers are available here real shortly once I get around to putting a link on the website. But anyhow, this episode of the What's in Your Head podcast is brought to you by our friends at At Computers. At Computers has been providing IT solutions for all of Southwest Florida since 2004. Give them a call and they can help you out with all your computer needs, whether it's a broken laptop, broken t- tablet, busted computer. Whether you need your business secured with two-form authentication or, more importantly, online backups right now with all your employees working from home, hackers are going to town. And so make sure all of your data is backed up securely at $0.07 a gig per month. Give them a call at 239-283-1120. That is Act Computers, 239-283-1120. And while you're on the Internet, head over to d-410.com. Click that big, beautiful orange patreon logo sign up for the dollar month plan there's two other plans but hey we're all broke i'm not going to get into those Um, but sign up help support the show uh those what's in your head podcast stickers the og5 stickers anytime we have stickers or merch that doesn't cost a whole hell of a lot of money to make we just give them to the patreon the og5 members so if you want free stickers head over there and sign up if you sign up for that third tier plan which is seven dollars fifty cents a month i will send you a free t-shirt as well uh, there are some exclusive content. We are getting ready to post a new exclusive EOG5 podcast up there here shortly. Um, but thank you guys so much. Stick around. We're going to be back in a few minutes. with. We're going to check with our friend Martin Mazika up in New Jersey. And then obviously we're going to get to our list of shit and news with Gordon plus much, much more. So hang tight and we will back, be back momentarily. On the latest episode of the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast... And, you know, it's interesting because when when you talk to people who have seen the movie and think they know about, you know, the history of the bell, because it's tough, man. I mean, there's there's been so many books written about the bell. Um, there's so many misnomers. Um, so it, it's tough. You know, unless you were there, you don't know. Uh, you, you, Colonel Morgan wrote a book about being the man who flew the Memphis bell. And you're just going to have to take that as fact. Whether anything's embellished or not, you know, who knows? It's his book. That's how it is. But eight of the ten crewmen were still alive when they made the, the Warner Brothers film in 1990. And there were some reasons for the inaccuracies of that film. You know, the, people love to pick it apart. Um, probably the one that stands out the most to folks is the Bell you know, made her, her last flight in May of 1943. Before P-51D Mustangs were escorting for the 8th Air Force, okay? What shows up in that movie? Bright, shiny, silver P-51 Mustang, the, the little friends. You know, when the Bell was in flight, it would have either been early model Thunderbolts or more likely Spitfires from the RAF. And how confusing would Spitfires be for people watching those escort the Bell? So it was things like that, the artistic licensing, that, you know, they didn't use their real names. They didn't want to use their real names because it wasn't about the men. It was not about the individuals. It was about a team of 10 men, a family a bomber crew. That's what it was supposed to be about. The What's the Scuttlebutt podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere where podcasts can be found. And we are back. Thank you, guys. Thank you once again to Kevin Goatee from the Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast for joining us for the first half. Um, we're going to get to our list of shit and all of our normal stuff here regularly. But right now, um, we are bringing back on a friend of the show, a um, friend of mine I went to high school with, 
Martin Mazika. Now, Martin joined us last time via the phones. He lives up in New York. And as anybody knows, right? in New York. Well, that's what we're getting down to. Anybody who's watching the TV knows that uh, that's one of the places that has <laughs> been burnt down. And, uh, well, let's get straight to it. Martin, you how got are the burnings things? And we got the shootings, evidently. Yeah, how are things going in New York? What's what 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 are things like? Well, when I talked to you last, uh, right after I talked to you, we packed up everything and anything and took the kids up to my in-laws. And then, uh, you know, once in a while, we'll go back and check on some of the the house and and uh, you know the plants and the fish. And, but uh, it's been it's been crazy. They split the uh, the state into sections, and they're doing. Uh, like phases, uh, you have to meet certain criteria to uh, be able to reopen. And then the reopening is done in phases one, two, three, and four. So just within the last, I'd say week, uh, the capital region up here in Albany, um, they uh, started to open, which is interesting to, to go out and see places open. We went to an ice cream shop the other day, but uh, when you go back to the city, uh, I mean, it's just disgusting. Uh, they haven't focused on any of the street cleaning. Um, really? It's, it's just a mess. Uh, you have to, the lines are ridiculous to get into a store. Um, and then up here, it's practically a whole different world. You know, you just go right in, come out. You still have to wear the mask. Uh, I got to witness uh, a couple coming in from Massachusetts because we're kind of near the border of Massachusetts. And uh, they came into Target and the state has a mask uh, uh, law and uh, I heard over the walkie talkies but I could see the door and the couple standing there and he a kid was like talking to the manager stating uh what do I do this couple wants to come in from Massachusetts but they don't have any mask and uh you heard people shouting tell them to go back you know f them that's insane <laughs> so, to me uh, I'm sorry um here in Florida you know when this whole thing started we all wore the, some most of us wore the mask and gloves for like the first month and a half but then we're like okay clearly this is insane and so you know it's there's people, some people who wear the mask, the gloves are pretty much gone away. But like I said, today's the first time in three months I've actually was given a mask before I could go into Guitar Center of all places. Um, I've only been accosted once, and uh, that was standing in the line at Lowe's, and I was uh, four and a half feet from the guy in front of me instead of six. And so the, la- the paranoid lady behind the counter quickly screamed at me to back up and uh, give sir, the man sir, six feet. Sir, I need you to back up, sir. Yeah, pretty much. Sir, back up. Yeah. What about the uh, we went to, what about the protests and all that? Has any of your property or any of your friends' property been affected by that? Not uh, not the property per se. I got a a few friends that uh, own a restaurant uh, nearby, and uh, I was talking to them. And uh, sadly, I didn't realize that uh, you know rioting uh, damage is not even covered under insurance. So uh, do they see that as force majeure or what? What's act, that? They see that like act of nature, force majeure. I mean, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's considered just, you know, it's not covered under rioting. And then like maybe a few days after I spoke to him, he uh, actually on the local news up here, uh, they had made another mention that, and they were at a destroyed property and they ended the story with, and sadly insurance doesn't cover. This. What does insurance cover by the way? Uh, you paying more money regardless. Insurance is the biggest scam. It's one of the only services you pay monthly and pray you never have to use it. The amount of money you spend on car insurance, homeowners insurance, dental insurance, all that stuff is insane. And then the one time you actually file a claim, 
all the hoops. I remember when we first moved down here, uh, Hurricane Charlie hit us. My dad had just put up his privacy fence. And as anybody in Florida knows, a vinyl six-foot privacy fence will run you about five grand. Um, Hurricane Charlie came, knocked it down. My dad has had the same homeowner insurance since the first house he bought in Ohio. So he's had houses in Ohio, Texas, California, and Florida. Never once filed a single claim. Not a one. Um, His fence got knocked down. His lanai screen got all warped up. Filed a claim. His insurance company, the one he's had for 30, 40 years, gave him a fat check for $125 and then kicked his policy down to one of their subsidiary companies. It's like, what the hell? What do you guys... It's, It's such a goddamn scam. And, you know, you got all these businesses. Well, um, like I remember when COVID-19 started kicking out, one of my uh, clients who's a medical-based office, their office manager was on the phone with their insurance. Nope. You guys aren't covered if you have to shut down. Now you got people whose businesses uh, are being destroyed by rioters. It's not covered. So let me ask you this. Maybe you know. If my window's kicked in and my shit's stolen on a Friday night where there's not a riot, is it covered? Sounds, I bet you it would be, that'd be, cause that'd be robbery. That's not, that's not rioting. <laughs> so that's the fine line, whether it's a uh, one person or 150, there's a guy we went to school with. Yeah. He's got a, um, one or I think like three little Caesars in the Columbus area. And he posted, he was online with ADT when they called, when uh store number two got its window kicked in and he had to put them on hold to answer the phone from ADT when store number three got its windows kicked in. So he had two little Caesars around Columbus that were destroyed. That's crazy. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, I've had, uh, what was that that uh, store before Best Buy in Columbus? What was it like? Uh, Sun TV? H.H. Greg? No, no, that was Sun TV. Circuit Sun City? Yes. Circuit City. Yep. They, uh, their insurance was a scam. They had uh, their own, um, they had split themselves into their, their insurance company they owned and the, uh, the company itself they owned. But if you contacted the insurance company, they acted like they didn't know the, uh, the store. But I've also, though, like I've had jewelry in other places where insurance has been great. And then I've had places like that Circuit City. It was horrible. It was a scam. Let me, I'm going to be very delicate about the subject, but I I just have a question. Um, We're all the same age and whoops, I'm moving the wrong thing here. We're all of the same age and we, I'm going to bring up a topic that you guys probably haven't thought of in a while, but you've heard people argue about for at least the last 20 years. So right now, um, I think two weeks ago, the creator of BET was on Fox News, and he was pleading his case for uh, reparations for the um, descendants of slaves. I think he wanted a one-time payment of $350,000, and clearly that ain't going to happen. And then now some, I think OC, what's her nose, and a few other ones are saying, well, hey, let's start defunding the police and reallocating some of those funds. Which, if that's what you want to do, that's up to your constituents. But here's my question. So now we're hearing all this ramblings about how the the police departments have way too much money. They've been militarized. Maybe they have. That's not my point of this this thing. Here's where it's a little weird to me. What's the argument we've heard about for the last 20 or 30 years, the problem with prisons? They're overpopulated. They're privatized. Exactly. Privatized prisons, they have incentive for the police to bring in more convicts so that they get paid by the state for more convicts. And so for the last 20 to 30 years, they've been trying to illegalize privatized prisons, i.e. make it where the states are funding them and the government are funding them. But now we're saying let's defund the police. So you want state-funded prisons but privatized police force because once you defund the police – they're not just going to shut up shop. They're going to go out and start kicking the bushes to find sponsors to get donations, and they will become privatized. So which one is it? Do you want privatized prisons and privatized police forces, or you want the state paying for the prisons and having 
privatized police. What, which one is it? They can't even get on the same goddamn um, page when it comes to what they want. Or is it that, uh, okay, we're going to downsize and, pre- you know, the, uh, the, the city police, now the sheriff's department's going to swell or the state's going to swell. I mean, it's going to shift to one place or another, right? So, like, for example, in Las Vegas, we don't have city police. We are actually, Las Vegas Metro PD is uh, the sheriff. So you go down the Laughlin, Nevada, three hours away, LVMPD cars, you know? So, uh, and, and then obviously Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department is under scrutiny too. And and I, I struggle. I don't understand obviously being who I am, what, what, uh, the, some of the ethnic groups have gone through. Um, it would be like the cheap seats, but if it was the cheap seats, it'd be all the way up top in back behind a bunch of people trying to see the field of play. And, and I, and I feel for everybody. Um, but well, the weird thing is, is if you, too far. if you cut the funding for the police, that means one, you're gonna have less cops and two, you're going to have cops getting paid less. And so you're going to have less good people wanting to be cops and deal with that job instead of $40,000 a year for 28,000. So then you're going to get more hard up people who maybe aren't uh, have the, the character that you want becoming cops. And I don't think that's going to solve the problem. Have you, have you met those people that work in drive through windows that don't answer you with a smile and it's like, you're bothering them. Uh huh. Yeah. That's what you're going to get. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know who's going to want to do the job. Mm-mm. I mean, yeah. it already isn't a paid enough anyway. So it's if, God, if it, you it's ask me from, you know, coming out of Ohio and coming into straight into the Bronx. I was living straight in the hood. Um, I was regentrifying areas before they regentrified. But um, the thing that you see is you see all these politicians. Not so much. You don't see this in the the, the communities like a, like a Grove City where you have Southwest City Schools or Upper Arlington where you have more uh, community control over their schools. These areas like here in New York City, uh, the mayor has got full control of the schools because essentially the governor said, you know what, you got bad schools, you have good schools, but the bad schools are so bad, we're going to come in and do something about it. And uh, in like Springfield, Ohio, what they did is they tore down South High School, which was in a really uh, impoverished area, had bad results. They completely tore it down and said, guess what, white people? On the north side of town, all of the kids down in the south, they're all coming to North High School next year, all of them, whether you like it or not. We tore down South, it doesn't exist. You're all going to one school. There's the problem. You're going to integrate. And they, the state took it over and said, you know, you couldn't solve the problem. We're solving it for you. New York was going to do that when I first came. That's kind of how I got drawn into New York. And Because uh, you were a teacher, was, correct? Right. For, for those watching at home. Was, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to take over and we're going to make changes since you can't do it. And the mayor Bloomberg at the time said, no, 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 give me a chance. Give me full control. Let me appoint uh, all these bureaucrats, and we're going to come up with all these ideas. And New York State said, fine, it's off our hands. You're going to do it. So since then, it's they've taken away the, the small communities, the community boards that were making up all the decisions. And there might have been small community boards that were making bad decisions, but for the most part, the area knew what was needed best. And so now that you've got these huge um, cities with these political appointees, no one cares. Everything's political. They're just shoving these kids through. No one. They're has just trying to get that money. They get paid per student. There's no discipline whatsoever. They're even now wanting to take out here in New York City. Uh, they want to take out New York City's uh, department, the police department, having anything to do with school safety. Uh, essentially, what that would do is 
uh, it would allow them to sweep more of the problems under the rug. Um, and would they start their own, like out here in Clark County School District, we, we're actually the fifth largest school district in the country, believe it or not. And that's because wow. every school in Las Vegas that's not private belongs to Clark County School District. It doesn't matter what part of the, the uh, city they're in. But what they have is Clark County School District Police Department. They have their own law enforcement officers. And that's kind of an interesting twist. I've never seen that until I moved here. Well, going back to law enforcement, what they've got is uh, they're more or less, what happened was they were sort of just mall cops. Resource and officers. And what they did is they slapped on a, a, a uniform that mimics the police to give them a little bit more authority. But they honestly, uh, they've got no authority whatsoever. They don't wear, they don't have really handcuffs. They don't have any weapons. Uh, I didn't know until one day we were doing a, I was the union head and uh, we had to do a shelter drill and, and bombing drills and things like that. And uh, the security guards all wanted to know where they were supposed to hide. And I turned and I looked Nowhere. at like, well, we're supposed to hide until the real cops come. So it was like, what's the point of all they are? What are we paying is, for? Well, especially <laughs> considering yeah, consider New York City has the largest police department. Here in Lee County, we have our real you know, Cape Coral, they actually have Cape Coral cops who become resource officers. They're, they are stationed at the school. So every school actually has a legitimate straight up cop. But kind of going back to what we were saying earlier about the before we got into the school stuff, but about defunding police and Gordon talked about how in Vegas, their sheriff's department or the um, the one police force handles all these different areas. And if you live out in some of these areas, it takes a little longer to get response. Now, if you listen to this podcast for any amount of time and you hear us talking about the area of uh, Southwest Florida, the um, area of Lehigh Acres comes up a lot. And um, if you ever read the news, there's a lot of crime going out there. Well, interestingly, reason, uh, interestingly enough, Lehigh Acres is not incorporated. Um, and so they don't have their own police department. And so the Lee County Sheriff's Department, they do Cape Coral. Cape Coral has a police department, and then they have the Lee County Sheriff's. Fort Myers has Fort Myers Police, which they are in all kinds of shit. Uh, they're under reconstruction, but Lee County Sheriff handles that area. And then anything goes on out in Lehigh, and Alba, Lee, Lee County Sheriff, covers that area as well. And so when you start defunding those, the police, you're going to get a lot more of that. And you think things are bad now, just wait when there's no one to call. Well, there's no retribution. Right. And, and that, that was that my, my, I guess my point to get to was the fact that these same individuals who want to defund uh, are the same individuals who then these young children who become adults who had no uh, accountability, had no discipline, then when they're, you know, out in public and they're supposed to be upheld to a certain standard and they encounter the police who we hire to uphold those standards then it's like what do you mean i've been able to go my whole life these people have set the bar here for me and now you're setting the bar even lower for me it's going to be craziness because it's these individuals who are are also in control of defunding police uh have set this whole this whole sort of like platform up for some of these individuals and I don't know what the heck's going to happen when they, when, I mean, I get some of the defunding. They're saying, you know, more community, more outreach. Uh, you know, do you need a tank for like, you know, a, a police force? Um, I get some of that, but at the same time, you know, some of these individuals have wanted to defund, defund everything. And these poor police officers, you know, they don't have the idea that this individual has got all these problems. have got all these And when they come across this individual, you know, they want to go home to their family. And at the end of the day, you know, like you guys were saying before, what, who are you going to get 
to take on this new role of being yep. a, a cuddler, a social, you know, a psychologist. What, what, how many degrees do I need to be to become a police officer now? You know, like a ton. So I understand. I completely understand needing to change things on the police level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Things are out of control, but defunding, the only thing that screams in my head is the law of unintended consequences. Well, here, let's look at it this way. We don't have to completely defund, but here's a thought. Um, for the longest time, a lot of these police departments were getting a little funding from the government for, uh, you know, busting all these potheads out there. Well, now that more and more of these states have legalized marijuana and, you know, un, you know, medical marijuana, maybe take that, make the, take, take the pot money away. Keep the hooker money, the crack money, the heroin money, the SWAT team money, but take that that large bulk of money that they had been getting from the federal government for all these years for fighting the war on drugs. Maybe take that money and redirect it because now, especially in the states where I'm sure the rest, obviously, clearly the rest are down in these states like Vegas, California, Washington, where you're no longer arresting somebody for having an eighth in their car or you know a quarter in their trunk or whatever. So that money could go somewhere and be better spent. Yeah, I I, yeah. I agree with you on that. I just, uh, God, this, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Let's change the subject. I got a new new <laughs> segment. Well, I just want to change the subject to something a little Please. more fun because everybody's tired of the ship. Um, I was going to make a little intro for this, but Martin, you can join in for this. Uh, it's a new, nice little new segment I want to call, Am I Mansplaining? No, boy. Here's the situation. I was at the uh, store the other day, and I'm it's the Dollar General. And I'm coming out, and a lady's got uh, her stuff on the sidewalk, and she's looking at this little skinny blue bottle, and she's looking at the gas tank, and she walks over and pops her gas tank open, and I said, is that fuel injector cleaner? She's like, yeah. Now, I didn't get into the whole this with her, but you know, long before I had a nice Toyota Tacoma that was reliable, I've come from a long line of shitty cars, and I've spent uh, mad amounts of money in my 20s on fuel injector cleaner, uh, octane boost, <laughs> and all that shit. All the additives. <laughs> and all the additives say, do not put this in your gas tank unless you have over a half tank of gas. And we we're right across the street from 7-Eleven and said, I said, hey, if that's fuel injector cleaner, you may want to go across the street if you don't have, if you have less than, you know, three quarters of a tank of gas and put it in and fill up your tank. Because if you read the instructions, you know, it does say, make sure you have almost a full tank of gas. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's fuel injector cleaner. I get in my car and she just, I don't know if she thought I was mansplaining to her or, you know, what, but she just went right to that gas tank and glug, 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 glug. And when I was pulling away, I was like, is that a definition of mansplaining or is, am I a nice stranger offering quality advice on how to maintain your car? Because I've been there. What do you, do you think I'm mansplaining or am I just helping out the random stranger? I think on that one, you were just helping well, out the it, random stranger. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I did, got a second she just didn't take your advice, you know, she I'm did. And she went and put that shit in her car. <laughs> If, okay. uh, if you ask my wife, she's convinced that uh, us that are from Ohio uh, will talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it could be that you're in Ohio and that you're just, you know, that, the, uh, that there's something about us that she's never, like here in New York, uh, people don't say hi to each other. Uh, we were walking down the street when I first moved in with her and this old lady, I said, hi, how you doing? She was out on the street. She goes, do I know you? Yep. I don't know you. Why are you saying hi to me? And then now my wife makes fun of me because it's like, we'll stop at anywhere. And it's like, they see the Ohio plates or they see Ohio t-shirt on and they're like, Oh, hey, uh, so maybe it's uh maybe it's from your, just your Ohio roots. You know, you just, you know, it's funny friendly, because man. everybody from, everybody from That's New York, used, everybody from New York used to go to, down to Miami, but Miami's getting overpopulated. So now they're heading over here and you're, 
New Yorkers, I want, I don't need to hear you say, yeah, I'm from New York. We don't fucking care. But yeah, they, they use that as a disposal accent can kind of give that away. Well, they you use fucking... it as a justification for their asshole attitude and their bad, you know, their bad, just being a dick. I can be a dick. I'm from New York. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Go back. Nobody cares. No one in Florida is <laughs> from Florida. It's just like nobody in California is from California. So, you know, just like I, I kind of fashion the joke. How do you know somebody's from Ohio? Their car will tell you all about it. Mm-hmm. I'll be driving down the road. There's a Jeep in front of me. It has Ohio State Buckeye license plate ring. Uh, then in the on the same Jeep, the tire cover, then all the headrest and like their seatbelt covers. And the, it's like one Jeep <laughs> has 338 Buckeye logos on it. Yeah, we get it. You're, you're proud to be from Ohio. It's the old saying. I've said it before. Say it again. Ohio, it's a great place to be from. Yeah, and that's about yeah. it on that. Have the, you guys uh, thought about... I see though, like... Go ahead. Going back, going back to this whole madness... Uh, you know, part of it, I get a little like, uh, not upset, but I get sad. Like I see, um, you know, our friends back in Grove City, I see them with kids. They're out watching baseball games. Uh, Florida kids are doing things are like, uh, I see people going to like the Metro parks and, and we're sitting here. I swear it's like here in New York, it's like we're on lockdown and uh, I don't know if they've got us brainwashed and the rest of you guys are crazy or it's, it's when you see on Facebook, it's like, you know, uh, we're still sort of, I guess I don't know if it's the governor on TV every day coming on and telling us things and the mayor coming on and yeah, uh, you in Michigan, but then you go on Facebook and it's like the rest of the world outside of New York, you guys are all like now starting to go to kids ball games. I see people like putting on Facebook, like, Oh, we haven't seen each other for two months. They're hugging each other. Hell, I don't even want to touch a stranger. You yeah. Know? I think you're over inundated <laughs> with it. A stranger. Yeah. I, was, I meant What's to ask that? you that early. I said, I think you guys are over inundated with it. I was meant to ask you earlier, what's it like to live in a lockdown state and seeing, you know, three quarters of the country just going about their business or, you know, seeing Cuomo on the TV telling you to stay at home, stay at home, seeing CNN, stay at home, stay at home. But when it comes to the protesting and the rioting, well, that's free speech. Come on down and have a good time. Well, which one is it? Are we supposed to stay home? Well, now we're starting to see um, a, sp- uh, a spike. Their message now is, they're going to see numbers spike here in the next few weeks because of all this. Well, shouldn't they have um, already seen it start though? Doesn't it usually take five to seven days to really kind yeah. of start? I don't know. The only, the only time so far that I've like sort of wanted to lose my crap was uh, the first time that I finally said, okay, I'm going to go out. And uh, I had the kids, I was driving around and they saw a Dunkin' Donuts. The kids, for whatever reason, they see that orange and brown sign, they go nuts. So America like, runs right. on Duncan because Starbucks <laughs> is still asleep. I was like, you know, the state, this, this zone is kind of opened up. Uh, they're letting you do like that kind of stuff. So I, I stopped in and uh, ordered like six donuts and myself an iced coffee. And uh, so a kid, you know, comes to the counter, takes my cash. Now I'm like fearful to touch the cash. I'm like handing the cash. I'm wiping. I got a, I have a, a Dixie <laughs> cup that I keep cash in after I, I wipe my hands after I touch the cash. Microwave give me my portable UV light. I need it. <laughs> he's got, he's got rubber gloves on. He's now handled my cash, handed me change that who knows where that cash was at. So I'm thinking, okay, this guy's got gloves on. He's just the cash handler. That's what it's got. Nope. Cash handler owner. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> nope. So then all of a sudden I see another kid come over and he's got rubber gloves on. So what's he do? He touches the monitor to check the order. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that guy just touched my money and touched that monitor. So then I'm sitting there thinking, are these kids touching the donuts with their hands? Are they using tongs? So I Absolutely. asked the kid, I was like, did you, did you use tongs? Like, you know, so 
that's that. Well, then he hands me the box. So now I'm thinking, oh, shit, I got to wipe the box down. And, and uh, before I open it up, so I set the box. So now I turn to get my, uh, my iced coffee. And he's got his hand with his glove on top of the iced coffee. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, are you serious? You just touched everybody's money. Now you're touching my top. Might as well. Have, uh... that, just, that sent me sort of the overage because it was still the time when it was like, you know, the protesting hadn't started yet. Uh, the only thing that was open was drive throughs And, you know, when you get up there, they got a window about this big. Yeah. else they're handing. And uh, that was the only time that I sort of was like, and now, you know, we joke um, the other day, uh, you know, we, we went out and got some ice cream and I, I got out of the car without a mask. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I guess I'm, you know, starting to get back into the swing of things. And, uh, but I mean, I guess if it was just my wife and I, I'd be okay. It's just that yeah. one part of the back of your head when you got kids, you're like, I, and, and that's the one thing that uh, still sort of is like uh, freaking me out because now you haven't heard of it anywhere else, but New York city had a hundred of these like Kawasaki uh, illnesses. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. They're probably like the super bug, but it was like only in New York. You didn't yeah. hear it in California. You didn't hear it anywhere else. So when I go home to New York and I pick up, you know, uh, a cooler of meat at our, uh, at our, our uh, the, the place we like to shop and I'll pick up other things uh, that only you can get in New York. It's like, I wipe that down. Cause I'm like, I don't want to bring this Kasaki back, but then all of a sudden you don't hear that anymore. So I, I don't know. I'm hoping that, you know, the more and more that uh, people get out and after this protest, if two weeks from now, nothing happens. Now we know that, you know, you know, it's funny you're talking about Dunkin' Donuts. I was at Starbucks, and the guy laughed too because the whole the whole thing's just stupid. He has his gloves on, right? So he takes my debit card. Now a lot of them will put the thing out the window so you can just put your card in there yourself. But he he took my debit card and swiped it. But then he handed me my coffee in a. He basically had a coffee mug with my coffee sitting in it. It's like so you can handle my debit card, but you're afraid to hand me my coffee. We just had hand to hand contact when I handed you my debit card, but you got to put my coffee in another mug, which has been handled by you guys so it's all weird which leads me to another topic uh here in florida we have a lot of toll booths i know you guys do it up there in new york as well and for the longest time we had the pay lanes um about five years ago mm-hmm. they got rid of the change lanes where you when i first moved down here in 03 you drive through and throw the hand which was always fun you know just throw <laughs> so, the coins yeah. once i got rid of those you would take your dollars you'd fold them up you put them in your fingers and you'd try to drive by and have them grab it without stopping just keep motion going and then as cameras and technology developed, um, I got a speed pass and I would just go through, but the speed pass is in my truck. But whenever I drive the Volkswagen to uh, events out throughout Florida, especially I'm going to Orlando and Miami, I take the Volkswagen because it gets better gas mileage. But Carrie doesn't have a speed pass in it or any pass for that matter. And so what they do is they just take a picture of your license plate and they send you a $2 bill or I have mine set up for auto enroll. So whenever I run a toll booth in her car, it just automatically hits my debit card for two bucks. And so now they're doing that all the time for all right. toll. And so the toll, the people who used to collect toll are gone. And I do not think that job will come back. I think you'll see those toll booths taken away. Automated and- out of existence. They're, um, the, the exit here up the block, they still have one. No, they're all probably the, unionized there, though. The, 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 smaller, the smaller ones, they're getting to it, but all the bridges. Um, and then the way it works is is that uh, if you don't have the uh, little toll bell, they send it to you in the mail, and it's, um, I don't know, I'd want to say 30%, 40% higher priced for uh, not having it. So they mail it to you based on your license plate picture. But uh, they're, they're slowly, I would say – 
every maybe year or so you drive up a little bit further upstate, you'll notice that exit they're working on. So yeah, it's a matter of time. Yeah. But I was surprised to see them when, 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 when it was completely hitting the fan and it was almost like, you know, you touch or you sneeze. Yep. I was surprised that they were still working. Uh, and, and I was wondering, wow, like, you know, well, no, in New York, New Jersey, that's probably a unionized gig. And so they have a hard time, you know, sending those guys home because I'm sure the union reps will definitely say, well, that's a, you know, a job that's needed to be done. Central. Yeah. Central. yeah I, I actually, uh, I applied uh, to come back off my leave and uh, go back and uh, work in the schools. And, uh, you know, as of right now, they don't know what they're doing, but um, that's one of the things that uh, is going to be interesting to see. Uh, how they're going to fix that. I don't know if you guys saw the CDC's uh, recommendation. It's like, uh, you can't, you know, you can't share materials. You can't share. Uh, so, you know, a kid asked for a pencil or pair, like, if, let's say you're going to do a project with kids with scissors. Used to, you just put the bucket of scissors out. Everybody uses the scissors. Well, now it's, I guess you got to bring your own scissors. I don't know what the heck's going to go on. Yeah. Our school year just ended. And, and funnily enough, I had to take Nugget to drop off her library books, but they told her to keep her Chromebook. Now, hypothetically, because they're not sure if they're going to do, I have a theory what's going to happen, at least here in Florida. I think they're going to go hybrid. I think they're going to offer schooling for the kids whose parents aren't terrified. And then the one, those who, the ones who parents are, they'll offer the distance learning. Or I think one of the things they're kind of talking about is flip-flop um, to keep the numbers down in class. Um, let's say you have 25 kids put in 12 chairs. Uh, well, you can keep it 25, but only have 12 students, every other student come in on. So Timmy comes in on Monday, but on Tuesday he does distance learning. So, so that Stella yeah. can come in, sit in her desk. That's weeks next to his. And, off, and so they rotate every other day so that, you know, the class isn't completely full. You keep her six foot a distance. The kids social, uh, you know, learn at home for one day, but then get the interaction. But my problem with that is by that point, I think most of the businesses are going to be back open. So, what are the parents going to do to be home, especially with elementary school kids and middle school kids to make sure that they are actually doing their distance learning? Um, and the teachers, I mean, they're basically going to be live streaming their class, right? They're going to have to put up a camera and just because you can't have two teachers, one teaching the class and one teaching the, the kids on the laptop. So I don't know how that's going to work. I, I have no idea. I know right now in New York, uh, cause I've been staying uh, on top of it and watching. Uh, the biggest thing is the union is saying that you don't have to live teach because uh, these, these teachers are upset that, you know, maybe I have something behind me. The kid gets to see my, my house, or some of these teachers were upset that they were being turned into memes. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, kids aren't going to turn a teacher into awesome. memes. So, uh, the union said, uh, you don't have to teach. Uh, live. So pre-record uh, it. Well, even if you pre-record it, they can make it to a meme. If you're that worried about put a guy, put your, put your mask on, then your face is covered. Problem solved. <laughs> you know, Carrie was really good. Um, she actually did zoom meetings every single day during this. And so she, she okay. had her quote unquote office hours and every single day, like I know a lot of teachers would do like maybe one a week, but she wasn't here right over here in, uh, in the spot here in a podcast studio doing zoom meetings every single day up until this thing was over with. But yeah, it's, wow. it's, like, I don't think the um, stuff at the, um, I don't think the things we see at the drive through window is ever going to go away. I think the booger shields are going to be consistent. I don't think, a lot of the stuff I think is going to stick around. Uh, we got 10 minutes left, so Martin, you're more than welcome to stick with us. Gordon, you want to do your equivalent of the news? I know you have yeah, a hard time finding uh, non-COVID and non- well, I just have a quick question, Gordon. Sure. So- yeah, go ahead. 
with the so what's going on with the conventions there in Vegas? They're That's still going to be the question. Dice? Uh, right now, I think they're planning on having them. I think we really won't see a full comeback until CES, uh, and then we'll see how they work. I did go into uh, the casino yesterday. I figured, hey, they opened the day before. Let's just go see, see what's going on. And definitely people are out there wanting to spend some money right now. Um, social distancing, yeah. it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, you know, I think we're all just – the thing is you can't have Americans just – on lockdown forever. No, we're not built that way. But uh, I do want to go ahead and pivot into the news. Pivot. A couple of things. I saw pivot. that shirt at Target today, by the way. It has uh, Jennifer Aniston and Homeboy on the stairs with the couch, and it says "Pivot" real oh. big on the bottom. So, real quick, with everything that's been going on, we forgot about yesterday. Yesterday was a huge day. Today's a huge day. Or is it today? Well, is it today the ste day? Well, well, technically, apparently, technically, the Airborne left at um, 11 p.m. on June 5th. Uh, June 5th was the original date for D-Day, but it got socked in with weather. But the weather broke at, uh, so they got on their planes at 9. They actually jumped and landed at midnight. So technically and officially, the first boots of the Pathfinders landed on June 6th, 1942, which is today in Normandy. But yes, the technically, they loaded up the Pathfinders and the Airborne went out uh, the day before, which was yesterday. But for all intents and purposes, as far as history is concerned, um, and it's so funny because people hear D-Day all the time, and they are greatly disappointed to find out that D-Day is a generic term, that every single operation that is done during World War II had a D-Day and an H-Hour, just like on August 7th, 1942, at 9 a.m. was D-Day for the Marine Corps to land on Guadalcanal. So uh, D-Day has kind of been adopted as the overall name for the landing on Normandy, but Technically, every single military operation during World War II had a D-Day and an H-Hour. So, and and that's important. I just, it seems like nobody really talked about it. And, and I wanted to bring that up leading into the news. Um, one of the things that's uh, going on right now, and it's not a surprise, but police TV shows like Live PD and Cops are going to put a halt to the season premieres and, and new seasons and new episodes because of what's going on and observance of... Um, of everything. So uh, the question is, is will they come back or is it going to be a complete fallout? I personally think it, it, it's good because it shows how badly people behave when cops run into them. Um, and, and, you know, you can't watch an episode, although on that one, am I alive, PD? Am I, how you know, bad is that? Would be a great drinking game, by the way. Is how, somebody to live PD? how bad are the producers of cops scrambling to get relevant again? Oh, they, they're both are. Uh, well, before this, so Life PD was the end-all, be-all, and like only place you watch cops is on reruns. And I know before this all happened, cops was actually in contract with the Fort Myers police to come down here and do some filming again. But all this happened. But it's just so funny how a little bit of technology made Life PD just wipe cops, who's been the prominent quote-unquote reality police show since the '80s, directly off the damn calendar. No one even talks about that show anymore. Yep, and that's absolutely true. But out of, a statement released was out of respect for the families of George Floyd and others who lost their lives in the um, and in consultation with the departments we follow. And in consideration for the safety of all involved, we have made the decision not to broadcast live PD this weekend. A and E uh, uh, released, so they are basically they are going to rerun them, which is kind of interesting. Yep. But uh, but they they're not going to be. Uh, at least for the foreseeable future, it sounds like broadcasting new episodes. 
for those of you who enjoy watching this podcast via the video, we are finally getting things sorted out with Zoom. The audio sounds better than it has in a long time, but now we're stuck to these two forty. Well, technically, we could start a third segment, but I think that'll get a you know a little old. Um, head over to d-410.com and click on that Patreon link. And if you sign up for Patreon, if I get like maybe three of you guys, I will, you know, maybe we can get enough funds to pay you that $200 a year for the full-time version of Zoom. And we don't have to chop the show up in half and we don't have to have these time restraints because as you know, this show usually goes 140 minutes, but now we're, we're stuck doing 80 minute episodes. So please head on over. If you're a big viewer of the video format, whether on YouTube, Patreon, I mean, Periscope or Facebook, head over to D-410. I feel like we're doing like a telethon and click on that Patreon link and help support the show so we can uh, get back to our fully linked shows. What's your next story? We got two minutes left. I actually want to probably end it there. My next story will run way too long. I want to bring that one up on the next episode. Um, And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for now because of the time constraints. Man, I do feel like I'm an NPR all of a sudden. because the yeah. listeners like you were able to bring you this mediocre content. So if you enjoy this mediocre content and you share it with your friends, please head over to d-410.com and support the show. Mediocre. Oh, we are. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is mediocre entertainment at best. At best. <laughs> Mark Marzika, thank you once again for joining us and uh, telling us what's going on in your part of the world. I just can't imagine. You've got to feel almost like the boy in the bubble sitting in your apartment watching the rest well, of the world play. I just feel bad for the... Uh like the friends and family that are police and, and firefighters, first responders. I mean, uh, they're getting mixed messages. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at first they were told to hold down the curfew. And then, you know, yeah, sadly, there was one or two that you could question that, you know, stepped out of line as a police officer. Uh, but other than that, I mean, when you got the looting that's going down there and the nonsense, I mean, what, how do you expect them to react? And then when they're told, you know, stand down, they stand down and, and it went on for way too long. It's still going on. So not as what it was before, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm just uh, I'm just amazed that it's still going on to this day. But it seems like you're seeing more and more peaceful protests and, that's uh, and less looting. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Martin. We will see you again here soon. Gordon, thank you so much. Where can people find you, Gordon? I can be found at Aegis1974 on Instagram, Abernathy.Gordon on Twitter, and Gordon at uh, Gordon at D 410. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for contributing to support the podcast and we will talk to you all next week. And remember, if you don't get out of your comfort zone, you'll never get out of bed and you'll never do anything productive. We love you guys so much. Thank you and stay safe. Fight me again. Uh, this has been a digital 410 production. <laughs>